Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. We are in week four of our series in called Our Prayer, and we've been praying over some things that have been important to us. Um, the last four weeks, and this is week number four. My favorite line from that video is, prayer we can count as one of the greatest privileges uh, to be able to directly go to the creator of the universe. Um, and I hope you understand that, that what we, when we pray, we're praying directly to the God, the King of Kings. And so um, we have had massive prayer for healing in this room. We have um, seen God at work in multiple facets, and, and we've covered all types of areas. We covered sanctity of life last week and the value God places on life. And this week, we're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about racial reconciliation. And to close out, this is the last week of the series, to close it out, we have our worship director, Luke Walls. Go ahead and come on up, Luke. Um, go ahead and give him a hand as he comes forward. Yeah, Luke, uh, Luke is my brother-in-law. He's also my uh, worship director. He's my friend. Um, and over the time I've gotten to know Luke, Luke's heart for the Lord and, and, and the heart, his heart um, has been shaped by the Lord. And so uh, I'm excited to hear the word of God proclaimed with Luke this morning. Um, so would you just make him welcome? Amen. Thank you. Good morning, Transformation Church. I normally say that about 30 minutes earlier, but, uh, you know, feel exposed here. It's a clear podium. I'm normally, like, hiding behind the piano. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get anybody's way. Um, Carl, thank you so much for having me this morning. Um, we would not be able to do what we do without you leading us. Uh, can we praise our pastor for a second? Amen. So... Real quick, uh, for just two or three minutes before uh, we get into the message, I just want to talk about vision for a second. Uh, Carl is going to be a lot more nuts and bolts, details of it in the member gathering after service. Uh, business meeting sounds kind of boring, so member gathering sounds a lot better. Uh, so that's why we changed it. Um, but our mission for 2020 is to move Jesus forward. We want to make disciples here in these four walls and then minister to people outside of these four walls. Because how many know if we only have church in here, that's a lowercase c. Capital C church is when we get outside of these walls and meet people where they're at. And not try to project ourselves on them and tell them what we want to hear, but we need to know what they need and what they want to hear so that we can better serve them because that's what we become. God imparts on us, we accept God into our heart, and then we impart on other people, right? So... Excited about this year, um, 
thank you guys for welcoming. I know we've got a lot of younger staff, myself and Ian and Alyssa. Uh, really does feel like a church family here. Uh, so I, I appreciate it. Um, what we're talking about today is racial reconciliation, church culture. Um, this is not an easy thing to talk about, but it is an important thing to talk about. Uh, and I know they're letting the skinny jean tattooed white guy talk to you about race. So thank you, Carl. I appreciate that. Uh, yep. Next week we're going to talk about uh, is tithing important and is hell real? That's uh, Catch me next time for that one. Yes and yes to both of those. <laughs> Uh, I'm a pretty, I mean, if you know me, I'm a pretty blunt person. I don't really handle awkwardness very well. So it's just, it's a, you know, there's a lot of white people in here and we're talking about race. Okay. So it's going to be a little bit of a rub. It's going to be challenging, but I want it to be challenging and important and not offensive. My plan today is not to make you feel ashamed or make you feel guilty, my, my mission today is to just challenge you and to point you to what God says about culture in our church. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, and we'll be looking at verses 13 through 22. Uh, so this morning, we're having a conversation. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's meant to challenge you. It's meant to make you think. Uh, it is not my mission to offend you. Also, this is not the worship director goes rogue on Sunday morning and says whatever he wants to say. Like, Carl has read this, okay? So we're, we're all, this is a Transformation Church message, not a Luke Walls message, okay? Um, Martin Luther King said the most segregated time in America is 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. In the midst of the civil rights movement, he was being interviewed and asked, what's the biggest segregation we face in the United States? And he said the most segregated time in America it's 11 a.m. on Sunday, meaning our churches are some of the most segregated places. And that's still true today. 85% of Southern Baptists are white, 6% black, and 3% Latino. And then on the flip side, in the same denomination, the National Baptist Convention is 99% black. We both call ourselves Christians, and we both even call ourselves Baptists, but we are on two wildly different ends of the scale. So, 85% of our denomination, our specific denomination is white, but just in this Jeff Davis corridor, 24% of people are black and 13% of people are Hispanic. So, 37%, greater than a third of the people that we minister to from this church don't look like me and don't look like Carl and don't look like a lot of us in this room. So, we owe it to ourselves to care about this this morning, okay? Uh, I was... In preparing, clearly I'm not a uh, preacher, that's not what I do, so uh, in preparing, I watched a lot of messages, a lot of online sermons uh, about this topic, and one thing that really stuck out to me is uh, Pastor Matt Brown at Sandals Church said, racism isn't a skin problem, it's a sin problem. Uh, what we're dealing with is not the color of somebody's skin, it's the sin that we have in our hearts. Uh, and the quicker we recognize that and grapple with it, the quicker we can move on to something else, okay? I think it may not be all over the headlines now, but I think you guys remember, especially over the past four or five years, 
you can't escape conversations about race. It comes up. It's, it, is, it is in the news. It is on social media. It, it dictates and, 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 no pun intended, colors a lot of the way that we look at our lives. Um, so I'm going to read the scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 13. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I'm going to steal one of my favorite car lines and say, may God bless the reading of his word. So who are we talking about in this scripture? It's a lot of you. It's very second person talking to. Paul is writing this letter to Ephesus. Okay, Paul is staying in Ephesus at the time and has gotten to know the people and has become frustrated with the ethnic discourse between Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus. So this entire, the book of Ephesians in its entirety is a letter to the people of Ephesus from Paul. This was a time of ethnic conflict in the region. Something to relate it to in modern day would be like the current Israel-Palestine conflict we have. A lot of people know about that. There's a, that's, I mean, it's been hundreds of years, but it's very tense at the moment. Think of it that way. It's, it, it's not, oh, I don't like him. It's like, we are not going to get along. This is not going to be cool. Like, we are not bros. <laughs> um, so our big idea this morning is a united church is fundamental to a thriving church. When we come together, that's fundamental to us being able to flourish we can sit in our assigned sections and do our thing, and even outside of race, come to church every morning and do what we're supposed to do and never rub and always feel good, and we can continue to do this. Or we can come together and say, we serve something a lot bigger than us in this room, and he's the one who's supposed to get the glory, whatever that means, whatever it takes. Like I was talking about this morning during vision, we want to meet people where they are and unite together. So, first question. Is the church called to be social justice warriors? This has been a pretty popular phrase in the last few years. It's abbreviated SJW a lot. It means people who make it their mission to fight for social justice. And this is attributed 
and a lot of times rightfully so, a lot of negative connotation uh, around people who, who accuse other people of terrible things and make people feel ashamed for who they are. Uh, this, is not a, this is not a white guilt message, okay? I'm not trying to make anybody feel ashamed. Clearly, I'm not the authority to speak about white people being guilty, uh, but they have, they have asked me to speak this morning. So is the church called to be social justice warriors? Well, first thing, the Bible should lead our culture, not the other way around. When you're, if, you're, if you're a non-believer in the room, or, or, or if you can remember before you were, you're always you know, fighting the tide. You're trying to ride the wave of, of what am I supposed to be saying today? And, and oh, no, it's changed. Now I'm supposed to be saying something different tomorrow. And, and, and how do I make sure that I'm, I'm being appropriate and I'm, being, I'm doing what's morally good? But how many know that as Christians, we don't have to worry about that? There is one book and there is one God who does not change and who tells us what our truth is, what our right and wrong are. But we have a call to protect God's people. It may not be a social justice warrior look like you see on Fox News or CNN, but we have a call as Christians to protect God's people. And the easiest thing about that is who's God's people? That's everybody. Everybody was created in the image of God and has the ability to become acquainted with God. And so we owe it to our brothers and sisters in Christ and our brothers and sisters who do not know Christ to fight for them and to protect them and to make sure they stand firm on what God's word says is true. Our truth doesn't change. Public culture moves with the tide, but the Bible stays true. 1 Peter 24, 25 says, as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. We don't have to rest on people. We don't have to put our faith in government or, or individuals that we meet or social media because we know that we serve someone whose truth doesn't change. We serve someone whose truth is everlasting. We're called to live like Jesus. What a lot of people don't think about today, because once again, words have been connotated into negative things, is Jesus was countercultural. Okay? When Jesus was living in his time, what he was saying was not popular. The message that he had was not the message everybody else was carrying around. He was this weird hippie dude with long hair who walked around healing people. And that made a lot of people uncomfortable because it wasn't what they were used to. That rubbed a lot of people in the wrong way. And spoiler alert, Jesus wasn't white. That is something that a lot of people like to forget. No. Jesus lived in the Middle East. The, uh, something I heard while I was listening to these messages, the odds of finding a white man in Israel at this time was like finding Sasquatch riding a unicorn, okay? It's not going to happen. This guy is not, you know, the picture in the Catholic Church of like white Jesus being like, oh, that's not the guy, okay? That's not our guy. That's not our guy. <laughs> so, we've got a couple of charges. We recognize, I don't have to tell you guys that race is an issue, right? I don't have to explain that to you, but we've got a couple of things. How do we do this as a church, okay? How do we come together and do this corporately, because here's the deal. If we let 
public culture and the world dictate how we reconcile races, we're doomed to the changing tide. But if we know that we serve one God who unites people and the church leads the charge, it's going to be what God wants to do. So how do we do this? First of all, we need to recognize ethnic superiority and face it head on. I'm not going to say anything that's an opinion that I have. I'm just going to talk to you in plain facts. Life in this country is different for white people than it is for other races. This is not some fringe opinion. It's just a fact. I have no idea what it's like to be stopped by a police officer and not know what's going to happen and have fear in my heart. And that has nothing to do with the police officer. It has to do with a history of people being judged by the color of their skin and not by who they are. And this is tough to deal with. It's tough to grapple with, to understand that we live an we, meaning myself, white people, lived an advantaged life. There are plenty of white people that go through and have struggles. There are people that come from all different ethnicities and races that have struggles and have great prosperity. But we are born with an unfair advantage. And the sooner that we recognize that, the sooner we can make a solution. The other thing we need to do, we need to listen to the voices of people affected by this in our community. The people, right, like I just said, 37% of the people right in this corridor in between Chippenham and 288 don't look like me. And I want to hear them. I want to listen to what they have to say because I am not the authority on the subject. James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to get angry. That's not something we practice a lot in our day-to-day -day lives. I know I definitely do not. I am definitely quick to, I, it, it runs in the men in my family, I am quick to get irritated, I got a short fuse, and we also have this difference, right, where you've got a lot of people, myself included, when you're having a conversation with somebody, you're listening, but you're listening so you have something to say back, right? You're listening to them, and the entire time you're listening to them, you're like, oh, yep, I can say something to that. I have a response for that. Well, I do not agree with that at all. Wait till they hear what I have to say. Okay, but what we need to practice is active listening. So here's a novel concept. Instead of listening to respond, we need to listen to listen. We need to hear people. I feel like Carl. Listen, okay? We need to listen to what people have to say. We don't know. We don't have the answers. We don't know what it's like to live that life, but people do. And we owe it to ourselves and to our church and to our community to hear people's stories, no matter how uncomfortable or awkward that may be, because this isn't something easy to do. I'm not telling you this like I've got this figured out and I'm like the perfect, like I see no color and I'm, you know, I just walk around, I'm like, hello, hello. And don't think about it. Absolutely not. No one who's telling you this is perfect, but we're striving towards a perfect Jesus. Amen? That's what, we, that's what our job is on earth, is to live our life as close as we can to the life of the man 
who we worship. We also need to elevate the voices that we listen to. So when we hear these people out and we understand their stories and understand how different life was and the struggles that they came up with, we need to elevate them. We need to lift them up and help them where they are. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. And yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. We have a charge as the church to help people regardless of of the color of their skin, their gender, any social economic background they come from. We are the caretakers. We are God's hands and feet. We're the hands and feet of Christ. So we are charged with the task of ministering to people and meeting them where they are. And when we elevate these voices, we need to practice inclusion and not tokenism. I'll tell you what that is. I'm going to give you two examples. You make up your mind on which one sounds better, okay? So I'm the CEO of a company. Just, you know, we'll, we'll make up a company, so we'll call it Coca-Cola. We'll just make up the company, okay? And I'm the CEO of this company, and I realize 37% of my customers are not white, and everyone on my board is. So I say, let's hire someone who isn't white. And I go out searching. I don't really care a lot about their qualifications. I don't really care a lot about, you know, where they are in the company or whatever. Just pluck somebody and sit them on the board. And we have our meetings and business as usual. But if someone walked into our board meeting, we've got ethnic diversity. Now let me offer you an alternative to that. We recognize the same problem, we have the same issue at the same company, and I say, I'm going to find someone who can challenge us because of their story. So I do not find the first person I find that's darker than me, I go and find someone who's qualified and educated and has things to say, and I put them in a place where their voice is heard. I include them in the discussion. We do not leave a decision before we hear their opinion. I'm going to go with the second one every time. People have value, and diversity for the sake of diversity doesn't change anybody's heart. Diversity for the sake of making us a better people and pointing us towards Christ is what we should be doing. So a lot of things we can do as a church, a lot of things, let me see, am I running behind here? All right, I'm all right. The thing is, we can put in all these practices as a church and say we're 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 gonna start all of these policies and put all of these things in place, but if we don't have our hearts changed and we don't address the sin in our hearts individually, then it doesn't matter. So it starts with you. And now you're asking me, well, how do I do this as an individual? You talked about what we need to do as a church, corporately elevating voices, make sure we're including them and not, being, not practicing tokenism. But how do I do this as an individual? Listen to those around you. There's a common theme in this message. Take the time to actively listen to those around you. 
people have experiences outside of yourself and people have things that they need to say. And if we don't understand the trials and tribulations of our brothers in Christ, then we don't know how to pray for them, we don't know how to check up on them, and we don't know how to help them in their day-to-day lives. It's really easy for someone to walk in and you understand there's some physical ailment with them and we're going to pray for them and heal them. That makes sense, right? And we're not uncomfortable with that because that's what we do at churches. But how about when we can't see what's going on? When we can't see what people are dealing with Monday through Saturday before they show up here. That's what our charge is. To meet those people where they are and to find out what they need. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. This isn't easy. This isn't something that anybody has all the answers to and that we can figure out in our heads, but we're charged to lean not on our own understanding. God is much more powerful than any of us will ever be. And I don't take that, I don't use that as something to be fearful of or intimidated by because God's on our side. Jesus Christ wants us to prosper and wants us to thrive and wants us to be united. No matter how we look or how we act, Jesus says we are one body worshiping together. Make a conscious effort to put yourself in other people's shoes. Think to yourself, when you see something that makes you uncomfortable or see something that rubs you the wrong way, think about how it would feel if you were in that position. Think about it. This is not crazy imparted wisdom that I've gotten from on high. These are simple things. Listen. Put yourself in other people's shoes. And also, we need to rest on Jesus to be the Savior, not us. A lot of times, churches have this idea that, okay, we're going to band together and we're going to go out into the impoverished neighborhoods and we're going to fix everything. That's not our job. It's not our job to convict people and it's certainly not our job to save people. It's our job to show the fruits of Christ from our hearts to theirs and to minister to these people in the situations that they're already in. God meets people where they are and calls us to do the same. This isn't something that's, that's easy. This isn't something that makes a lot of sense when you think about it because everybody says, we've got it, right? This is, we've got it. We don't need to have a bunch of programs and have a bunch of policies in place because we've got it. Jesus calls on us to do more. Jesus calls on us to constantly be striving towards him. And Jesus hung out with people that we'd never hang out with. And Jesus prayed for people who we'd look the other way and walk down the street for because he's just that good. And if I can find a way to live my life closer to Jesus that's all that matters this morning if you're if you're it's a lot bigger than than race or culture what we're talking about here is 
church culture and Jesus culture of cultivating a place where anyone can feel safe and loved and valued. They walk into a place. I want anyone, anyone in this place to be able to walk in and feel the love of God. It would hurt me to no end that anyone would ever walk through these doors and feel like we don't love them or Jesus don't love, doesn't love them because of something they can't control. Because of something they have no say over. We are charged. It's our challenge to meet people where they are and to see beyond ourselves and to do things that are uncomfortable because it's what Jesus wants for us and for our church and for us as individuals. When we ask God to help us with this, that's, that's the main thing. Lean not on your own understanding. We cannot do this just in ourselves. This is something important. This is something that matters. But we cannot do it alone. The only way we can facilitate this in our church, in our lives, and in our community is by resting on the good faith of God. God asks you to be better. This is not me trying to make you do something you don't want to do. Jesus Christ would ask you to do better. Would ask me and Carl and anyone else to do better. We owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our community. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.